Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. See Day Trippers, brought to you by bookmakers.com. And welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. I'm Gav, and with me this evening, for the first time in a while, I have got Peter Smith. Um, this is Winners and Losers, and we are going to bring you two winners and two losers that we feel from the, from the weekend that was the FA Cup Tour round. This show is brought to you by bookmakers.com. The link for their website is in the description if you want to go and check that out. It's really, really good. If you like gambling, there's loads of stuff there for you where offers and different things from different companies. Um, if I'm always gamble responsibly. If you don't like gambling, you might want to give her a miss. But I would say if you go on there and look up, there's loads of stats, loads of analysis, right um articles, different things. So even if you've no intention of gambling, it's not a bad website to go to. Um it can help you with I don't know if you're looking up stats in the Premier League or teams or players or trying to work out who's on form for your um, fancy football is usually a good one as well. Um, the link is also in the description for our YouTube channel. Go over there and subscribe. Hit the bell icon. Um, I am doing a show with them once a week now. Um, we are recording the next one tomorrow, so make sure, you rec- make sure you go over there, like and subscribe. Hit the bell icon and that should be out around lunchtime tomorrow um, where we look forward to the Premier League um, returning again after the uh, FA Cup. P, how are you? Good. I cannot complain if I did. No one would listen. You know. Correct. Correct. <laughs> That's a real Dublin thing, isn't it? Oh, How are you on ground if fucking no one listens anyway? Yeah. <laughs> um, but look, we're going to do winners and losers. Um, just me and P. We usually have three, sometimes four on the show, but we've gone down to two. Um, and we're going to start off with your winner, which I think is it's a really good one. It's quite poignant, but it's a really good one. It gives us a chance to talk about the man. Um, kick us off. Who is your winner? <laughs> My winner, there can only be one uh, for me. My winner, my big winner, Gianluca Vialli. May you rest okay. in peace. Um, I mean, for me, I mean, we're, let's start at the basics. You know, one of the all-time great players, uh, great goal scorers, a great goal scorer and a scorer of great goals. Um, I mean, a, a winner of, let going back to basics, I mean, he, he gets his move, obviously, from, from Cremonese to Sampdoria based on what he does with a really small club. Then, you know, 
sets the world on fire with Sampdoria. Nicks a, uh, a UEFA Cup, I think, or a Cup Winners' Cup with Sampdoria and wins a, wins a league title. Um, gets a, re- a world record move in 1991, I think, or 1992 to Juventus at a time when Serie A is the toughest league and the, and the best league in the world. doesn't matter what anybody Does says. Does he leave Sampdoria after the beating in the European Cup final by yeah, Barcelona? Yeah, by Barcelona, I think. Uh, yeah, he's Kim. famously in that final. Uh, if you remember, Gianluca Vialli is the one that puts his head in his hands as Ronald Koeman is stepping up to take the free kick. That's yeah. my enduring memory from what was a bad final. Yeah. Uh, Vialli had just been taken off. Um, he had missed a couple of decent chances, to be fair. Um, but I think Barcelona's name was on that on the, on that turn. But Sampdoria were absolutely unreal. Yeah, dead right. But he, my enduring memory from that final, which I think was at Wembley, was him putting his head in his hands, putting his head in his hands as Ronald Koeman is stepping up. Because we all knew... Anyone that was, uh, you know, a kid at that stage knew that a Ronald Koeman standing over a free kick meant only one thing. Yeah. Um, Koeman, um, just on Koeman, when you go back and watch him, like you see it now and you remember him as a Dutch manager, Everton manager, famously, Barcelona, it doesn't go right. But as a player at Barcelona, um, he was like literally, it was mad to watch Barcelona in them days because he was so good at passing Ronald Koeman that he was literally striding across the halfway line you'd have the opposition with about seven players in a line strung across yeah. the pitch, playing a mad high line, and yeah. Koeman just popping balls in behind for whoever felt like running onto them. It was actually was one, mad to yeah, watch. He was so good. There was one stage that for himself, he was that good. I mean, he was such a good read of a, a game. I remember seeing a, a ball where he puts a through ball again, puts a through ball through for himself. He flicks it over the entire back four, makes a run, and follows his own run in and slides it back. Ronald Koeman was an incredible goal scorer as well as an incredible sweep. It's just a brilliant all-round player and a smack of a ball like you've never seen. Yeah. You're dead right. But um, Viali, he's at oh. Juventus. Um, World record transfer, I think about 13 million quid. If Keith Plunker was on the show, because I know Keith's our Serie man, you know, this is a time when you had players like, well, Van Basten had just retired, I think. Players like Ruud Hullert running around, uh, Frank Rijkaard, creme de la creme, all in Italy. And Viali is worth more money than all of them and yeah, just the because Milan at this time 92, 93 and the four Milan are just sensational dominant Yeah, and new vendors are spending money basically trying to keep pace with them Yeah, and Viali is that big uh, their big uh, that big purchase that summer and as always delivered delivered Um, but of course it, it you know it, it, it was difficult as you as you pointed out to, to, to trade punches with AC Milan who were the world's powerhouse at the time but again Gianluca Viali delivered and on an international level, I mean, it's it's. it's does he win a European get... Cup with Juventus in '96? Yeah, uh, yeah, he does. Is that, the one, is that the one in, in the Trafford, Olympico? Was it? Was no, it I get the, I get a feeling that might be in the Olympico, and Ravinelli scores. I think from a really tight angle with his right foot, it just dribbles across the goal Maybe. and into the, into the goal. I think Juventus might be playing in blue. Yeah, but he won. Yeah, right. He won all three European trophies. Yeah, and because lot. he went. But, but when he, does, he moves to Chelsea, does he win a, a Cup Winners' Cup with Chelsea as player manager? Yeah, and an FA Cup. Well, sorry. Well, I'm sure there was an yeah. FA Cup in there somewhere because yeah, Chelsea yeah, were Cup, always winning there. Chelsea were, yeah, they were. Uh, he does. He but within a year, I think he's made player manager. I mean, listen, for a guy who comes over barely speaking English, um, learns the language quickly. I think he he started going out with a, even an English girl, and yeah. I mean, within a year, he's made player manager. That'll tell you not only 
how, how good a player he was, but how good a human being he was. I mean, a lot is made of the fact that Ruth Hullett was manager there, fell out with a lot of people, and a lot of people didn't fancy him as a manager there. But I think it was completely different with Viali. With, with and I tell you, Gab, the thing that, for me, that strikes that struck me most about Viali, I mean, I had known bits about his life story, but Gianluca Viali didn't need money. He comes from millions. His father was a self-made millionaire. I think the father was a very, very success, successful builder. And he was actually raised in a family, I think, of three or four kids in a in a mansion of 60 rooms. So it wasn't about money for, for Gianluca Vialli. Yeah. It was about the pure love of the game and, you know, wanting to do something that he loved. You know, for me, you know, I just... A huge loss. 58 years of age, you yeah, know, to... No age. Yeah, it, and I and I know how I know what you're doing at the moment, you know, for cancer. We're going to talk about it a, a little bit later on. So it's a subject close to your heart and, and close to a lot of hearts out there. You know, there's a few lads that we're involved with that, you know, obviously have been affected family wise by um, you know, by by cancer. But you know, I, I to to be taken away such a and I think the thing that struck me the most beyond beyond you know I, I watched at the weekend Graham soon is talking, and for someone like that. To no, he didn't even seem that interested in talking about him as a player, even though he obviously was an absolute, you know, genius, a great player. He just wanted to talk about him as a human being, and it seemed to be a common thread amongst everybody that was paying tribute to him. And Kev says the the right thing, the enduring image, is that that hug between two best friends. You know, to 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 touch people at at such a high level and such in such a human way, and for it not be really even connected to football, just the fact that he was such a good guy, you know, it's just well, the, yeah. The funny the the thing is right, um, we were doing a show and I can't remember what show it was right because it was a tangent we went off on and I I can't even remember what, what day it was, um, but we were talking about something completely different to, to this but we ended up on Italian football in the 90s <coughs> and I was saying about how um, the Irish channel Network 2 now RTE 2 yeah. used to show her on a Monday night used to have That's an true. hour long half nine on a Monday um, and you were hiding up in the room with the, with the, with the telly on hoping your ma wouldn't come up and say listen turn around with the that. bed school in the morning yeah. and um, you know like when you think of it, you do think of Van Basten, you think of Hully, you think of Roy Card, you think of, but you do think of Mancini and and, and Viali, um, at um at Sampdoria, and you know, when you look at when you look at Milan and the, the ground he played in, Juventus in the Deli Alpi, um, you had um Milan and the San Siro, um, or the Giuseppe Miazzo, I think it's called, wasn't it? Yeah, or the um, San Siro. And then and then you had um. Sampdoria who ground shared with Genoa in Genoa and um, you know but that place was fucking mental when, when Sampdoria were great like proper mental you know yeah. stands behind terrace behind the goal really close to the goal they were down low they weren't like in at Milan where they were up high you know and they weren't like they were in Turin where it was a big bowl you know yeah. it was a running track this was like it was like an English ground. That's exactly oh, yeah. what it was like. Well, it was like well, it was like a throwback to an English ground because you remember the Italians. Serie A didn't toe the line with the rest of Europe when after Hillsborough, they kept the fences up. They didn't care. It was like no, no, they you know we have ultras to think of. We have to keep these people separate from the players. So you would see that iconic celebration of most of the players jumping on the cage on the glass and stuff oh, like no. that. Yeah, but but yeah. They, but I always loved the ground. 
Um, I don't. It, it's genuine. I, I can't remember the name of the ground, and I should do because it's where Ireland won the quarter final or got into the quarter final of the World Cup in nineteen ninety. But the Ennio Tardini was it called no, the Ennio something like um, or is that Parma? No, someone someone will tell me the name in a minute. Um, mm. But that ground when Sampdoria were doing well, both ends blue, white, red, you know, and it was they were right on top of you. You know, and the, the, the nets, I always look at the nets because the nets weren't big bulging nets. They were really small, shallow nets at the back. And I was yeah. a big fan of them. Look, I was a big fan of West Ham and Luton and QPR having them nets. For, don't ask me why. But uh, it was just mad. And then I loved the, the big bulging nets at Italia 90 where yeah. they were just, and they were a different shape net. They weren't square. They were kind of this um, hexagon sort of shape. But if you go back, like, and I keep saying this on shows, I don't know how we end up doing it. But for anybody that doesn't know it, or probably does and goes, Jeez, that might, might be something. You know, because as we get older, um, as we get older, all I find anyway, that I, I start going back to stuff I know about, but like to watch again. And I'm constantly finding myself doing that. Um, but try to go back and look at Sampdoria um, in that league winning season or any time around that kind of early 90s and just watch that stadium. It's mad. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, look, he... You know, people are mentioning them um, Lombardo as well. He was at Palace. Yeah. I actually seen him play at Anfield for Palace yeah. in around '98. I want to say, um, to get relegated that season. But mm. um, yeah, it's it, it's a huge loss to football. '58 is no age, like you say. He was okay. a brilliant footballer. Um, he turns up, and someone else said there earlier, like um, Zola and Viali done what no one else could do. And made you want to watch Chelsea because Zola turns up in '90. I want to say '95 at Chelsea. And he's, he's just like, like yeah. people are like, what's going on here? He's about five yeah. foot three and he's just running rings James around people. You know, I mean, he made, he made Jamie Carragher look silly. I mean, I used to dread those games because you knew it was coming. You just knew he was going to do a little. He done the same to United yeah. one time. Everyone yeah. at the back post. It was it was that yeah. World Stanford Bridge was being redeveloped. I'll always remember yeah. it. And he turns, I think, Erwin inside out on the on the end line and smashes a pass, Michael. Um, it's a, uh, it's you know what. You think of Zola and you, then you think of Viali. And Viali was just a brilliant finisher. He was a great footballer, great football brain, but he was a prop, proper um, proper finisher, proper goal scorer. I think the, he, thing, the thing that I remember about his finishing is he was one of, for me, he's the architect of, you know, that early finish. The ball comes to you in your stride and he, the fella wouldn't even let it take a second hop and bang from no. He, he scored a goal against Barnsley that a few chances have picked up on over the last few days. And he takes it so early at such an angle that even a comedy, I think Andy Gray and Richard Keyes at the time, they just stunned into silence because the Premier League hadn't seen that kind of quality, just hadn't seen that kind of quality yet. And they were used to, I mean, you know, obviously the, you're, you're, you're talking about the days of Robbie Fowler would do something, Les Ferdinand, and Teddy Sheringham, but the kind of ruthless quality, you know, either side, you know, that, that half volley finishing from outside the box, regardless, just wasn't seen. You'd have to t- t- tune in, as you say, to James Richardson and watch Channel 4 to see the likes of Giuseppe Signori, Gabriel Battistuta, Gianluca Vialli do that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, we're seeing it, yeah. you know, in the Premier League. And for me, that's what made, makes him a winner, makes him a pioneer. It kind of, These guys up the stakes of the game. For me, look, Ruud Hullet, everybody knows, and John Barnes are my heroes. But Ruud Hullet set a standard for me when he came, like Vialli. For basically, you know, listen, we're going to, not only am, am I going to be better, but, I'm, you know, I'm, we're going to play a different way because I'm here. It's just, 
And we are going to win it. It is, it is. I mean, keep going back to it. I don't know why, but um, Italian football in the early 90s was brilliant. Liz says, I think as we get older, sentimentality is more prevalent in sport and life. I think you're right. I th- Liz, I find myself, honestly, like going back and I'll be sitting, do you know what I have a lot of habit doing, right? Taking the kids' tablets, right? And putting them on the, on the, putting them on the kitchen table and knocking off fucking SpongeBob or whoever's on it and going onto YouTube. You know, when you're having a cup of tea and you're, yeah. Flicking, oh, I remember that, and you kind of go watch it, and you fully remember it, but you just start watching it again, you know. The 1990 World Cup shootout with Ireland, um, I'll go and watch Liverpool Five Forest Neil in the 87 88, and you completely and utterly remember it. And you know, but you, you start doing that stuff, and I think, I think there's a spot on as you get older. I don't know, maybe you're trying to remember, see, so you, you know, no, you I don't know. No, up. she's got a point, definitely. Liz is right, but I look at, for example, Chris Wood playing up front for Newcastle at the same level that Gianluca Fiali was playing. And it's like two lads playing a different sport. You know, and Chris Wood went for big money to Newcastle. And I don't mean to pick on him. They could pick on Timo Werner. could pick on a lot of fellas that I don't... Play the same position as Viali. Went for bigger money. I know it's a different economy of scale. But it's like they're playing a different sport. Yeah. Just, um, you know. remote, remote control account. Good name. Uh, it <laughs> says, remember Genoa fucking us up when we were newly back in Europe? Yeah, I want to say it was a Branca the left yeah, back a Branca, I think, and they had a player called Aguilera up front that tore us a new one as well. Uh, did they have Ruben Sosa, someone like that at the time? There was a the first. Well, time. I'm nearly sure Branca scores a free kick in the in the away yeah. leg, and I'm nearly <coughs> sure Tony yeah. um, Hooper is in goal. Mike Hooper. Mike Hooper. I, I remember they they, talk, they were the we first team I'd ever seen to give us a tear as a new arsehole at Anfield. To be honest with you, with pure movement. I remember thinking at the time, my God, because they weren't setting the world on fire in Serie A. They were maybe fifth, sixth. Um, but they they led us a merry dance. That, you know, that was the fourth sign that you knew that English football, I guess, well, we didn't care. But yeah. I suppose I always remember them, um, because I, I think that's around 91-ish. Yeah. ninety Maybe yeah. 92 I think it might be the ninety two. Yeah. Was it the same run? As, it's the as no, as it's the ninety two ninety three season, the cup winners cup, mm. and um, and I always remember, I always remember that general one because again Ireland had played there, um, going back, you know, the two years previous, and I, I'm nearly sure it's Branca is the left back, scores yeah. a free kick, and Mike Hooper's in goal. I always remember that. Yeah. Um, I'm saying that now. Some of the time he was wrong. Um, no, Thomas, Thomas Skouravi and Branco took us down against Genoa. It's his own mm. book. Um, let me see. Uh, remote Control says, uh, being shit-faced watching matches at Anfield when you were in your 20s, last day of the standing cop, I was blitzed. There's lads off this podcast to go away, and honestly, I think Phil Casey's fallen asleep three times at Anfield. Um, <laughs> and I, I genuinely remember being there, and I won't name them, but West Ham opening day of the eighteen nineteen season, we beat West Ham 4-0. And honestly, there's two lads sitting in the Anfield Road end. And Shawnee Lawson was sitting in this in the Kenny. Um fairly close to the lads in the Annie Road and could see them and he said, Look, there were literally like two cardboard cutouts because it was a heavy, <laughs> heavy day the day before. But um look, Gianluca Viali, fifty eight passes away. Um 
you think of Cremonese, you think of Sampdoria, you think of Juventus, Chelsea, you know, he's gone on to manage another couple of clubs as well. I actually seen a video of him the other day with a GAA club in, in Fingless, Aaron's Oil in Fingless, where he does yeah. a challenge, I think it's against Harry Redner, where he's really good in it. And he's, he's basically shown the forwards in Gaelic how to move like footballers in order to get chances on goal. So if you can find that, go and have a look at that as well. Yeah. Um, but listen, um, you know, condolences to him and his family, his friends, former teammates, um, wherever it might be, because it's it's a huge loss to the football world. Um, who's your loser of the week? Loser, Gav, is anyone that thinks the FA Cup is no good anymore. And we've You're only league. saying this because you know Phil Casey won't be on, because he hates Well, he's not on, so yeah, he's not going to hammer me for it. Listen, a couple of, a couple of <coughs> examples. Stevenage doing what they did, the way they did it to Aston Villa. Uh, and kudos to their, the admin of their Twitter account for hammering Phil Coutinho, to be honest with you. That one of their players was substituted and he, he said, listen, uh, the, the, the guy who was coming off took an extra uh, extra long time to come off because he was they were busy trying to empty out Phil Coutinho out of his pocket. I thought that was brilliant. And uh, two last-minute goals, if you will. You're take. robbing my winner here. Oh, my. Oh, sorry, I'll say nothing. Right. Um, you said it all now. Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday. And, and I tell you, years ago, even Phil won't disagree with me here. She, um, the FA Cup used to make careers. If you look back, bad examples. A um, guy called Tim Bozzago was playing for Woking way yeah, back. 3 against West Brom. Exactly. And got a big 19... move. 1991, 90... 1991, I think. Yeah. Got a big move. Got a big move. Uh, I think the West, to, maybe he ended up at West Brom or Fulham or somewhere. But got a, got a move out of non-league football. He used to make careers... I watched I watched Sheffield Wednesday, um, ninety minutes of it, and and listen, I know he's not a, I know he's not a small time player. He's been north north of the border, but Josh Windass looked as good as anybody, as good as anybody, uh, playing for Sheffield Wednesday against Newcastle. And don't be surprised if somebody dips in and someone like an Everton, you know, as desperate as they are, but dips in and tries to bring in someone like that. Seen a few players over the weekend that you kind of think to yourself, this fella could do a job. Only the Wolves. I don't consider that a shock with the state that we're in, but Christ, you'd have four or five of those players on your books, you know. To well, be honest with you, so so you you your winner of the week is anyone that thinks the FA Cup isn't still me loser, me loser, your loser of the week is it anyone that is anyone that the, thinks the FA Cup is not magic. Great atmosphere, great. Listen, I live in Spain, as you know, and the cup competitions here die on their arse. Barcelona were taken the extra time by a tour division side. Some fella working as a barber scored a hat trick against Barcelona. Right. Uh, but they, they ended up losing 4-3 but no one cares no one writes about it and it's not on telly but in England everybody's wa- wa- still watches the FA Cup they're great games anyone that think it, it, it's it's probably gone the other way the European competitions are now washing each other out I think and the FA Cup seems to be getting a little bit of kudos back I don't know people can disagree with me all they want and, and feel free but I think the FA Cup is back I think it's magic I think I've, I've watched on all the channels the different coverages it was buzzing. I really enjoyed it, and I hope we stay in it. Hope we can turn wolves over because there'll be a few people sick if we do. And I hope we we march on. I, yeah. I enjoy. I enjoyed winning it last year. Not a trophy in the cabinet. Hope we can hold on to it. Chris Brax says, "Who was the lad in 2000, 2001 who scored the winner in the FA Cup after answering an advert on Teletext? Ended up going to the semi final versus Liverpool. Roy Assendall, um, yeah. is, is the man there. Barnbury was it or someone? Wickham. Like that? Wickham. Wickham. Um, 
what's his name is in charge. Laurie Sanchez is in charge. Yeah. He answers. He answers an ad. Was it a teletext? It might have been teletext. But mm. yeah, he gets. He ends up going. He ends up. I think he ends up scoring on his first game. And I want to say Leicester. I feel. Yeah, it was Street. Leicester. Was he called up by Northern no. Ireland? I'm not too, sure. I'm not too sure, but Roy Essendon was definitely Wickham, and I'm nearly sure they beat Leicester. They did, yeah. Who are in the Premier League at the time. Yeah, he scores a header. And I, I'm nearly sure he, he scores at Filbert Street to mm. give... Um, to give. I'm nearly sure that might be the winner, but uh, listen, that's just me in my own head. You, someone go and check it and let me know. But, no, you know, uh, right. uh, listen, I love all the things. Um, Tim Bazzaglo of, of Woking... Um, even what was um, was it Mickey Thomas for Wrexham against Arsenal in round ninety yeah. two, um, at the race kick? course ground for Wrexham. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. think of them. Um, there's been some big shocks. You know, some big big shocks, including Liverpool. Liverpool are beaten by Bolton, um, mm-hmm. going back to ninety two, and I think um, losing the final to Wimbledon still one of the great upsets. No, of I think time. I think I think yeah, that's true. But I think. I think Liverpool might have been holders of the tournament and go out against Bolton after a draw at Bolton. Yeah. And then we go back and we lose. John McGinley definitely scores mm. um against us. Um but but you you know it's I get all that and I love all that, right? I do love all that, genuinely. But I'm gonna show my age a little bit here and people probably go, Oh, this old fart again. I think they're absolutely destroying the cup. Right? I get where you're coming from. You see good games, you see players, you go, oh, look at him. He's playing in League Two and in three weeks' time he could be in a Premier League team or whatever. I 100% got all that. But I think they are... Um, Mick says we won it in 92. Yeah, I'm talking about... We did, the, we did win it in 92, but I'm saying yeah. the following season, um, maybe 93 it was, that Bolton win. It was the 92-93 season. That's yeah. what I think it was. Um, yeah. But I think they're ruining it, Right. I think the, what what I, this is what I think they should do with it, right? And I, I I want the FA Cup to be magic. I like the FA Cup. I prefer mm. the League Cup, but that's only because of what they've done to the FA Cup. League Cup, you know where you stand. It's going to yeah. be on a fucking Tuesday or a Wednesday night. You know, um, they've they used to be two legs of every round. Do you remember that? Um, yeah, that's going back years and years to the early nineties and stuff. But you know what you're getting with the League Cup. The problem I have with this, um, the problem I have with this FA Cup is that. It's on Friday night, it's on Saturday night, it's on Sunday night, it's on Monday night. There's games from 12 right through to fucking 6 or 8 o'clock at night. Um, you know, some of them are on this and some are on that. What they should do is, and this is my own opinion on it, right? Because the cup can be brilliant, okay? Put them all on Saturday. They used right? to years and years right? ago, no? They used to do, they yeah. used to do, years ago they used to do a game at 12 on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Everything else at 3. And you might get one or five. Yeah. And then they might have, might have one on a Sunday. Right? And what they should do is they should open her up to all terrestrial TV. Mm. All of them. And say, there you go. That you, what do you want? Do you want that game, Grant? Right? And don't show any of the three o'clocks. And make the match of the day that night the way it used to be on FA Cup. You know, to be banging yeah. through the, the goals and stuff like that. Give the winner a Champions League spot. Mm. Okay, you don't have to touch the prize money. Just give the yeah. champ, the winner a Champions League spot, yeah. and I and do away with replays. Yeah, I because get, you don't you don't have to petition UEFA for that. You are given an an allocation of places in the Champions League, and it's up to you as an organization to allocate them to who. Correct, correct. Mm. But England will soon have five in the Champions League. Yeah, 
Mm. And I think they should, and to, to bring this cup, cup, cup competition back, that's mm. what I think they should do. I think yeah, I think we should day. wake up on the morning of the third round and go, oh, fucking Hamilton, Waterlooville are playing Spurs at 12. That'll yeah. be great, right? Because you know, the old muddy pitch, early, cold, windy down and Hamilton, Waterlooville or whatever. Three o'clock, don't care if your team is fucking Liverpool or Man United. If you're on a three, you're on a three and no one sees it unless you go to the game, right? <coughs> and then uh, five o'clock or whatever it is, half five, you put another game on and maybe one on the Sunday and then you have the draw. That's what they used to do, right? One game on a Sunday and we do the draw or two games on the Sunday and we do the draw. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Replays, I get with people saying, oh, well, you know, if, if fucking, I don't know, AFC Wimbledon, come to Anfield and get a draw, they get another, or if they get a draw at their home place, they go back and they get a game on Anfield. Just, I, I 100% get that, but you could probably squeeze more TV money over and say, yeah. right, you know, you're all getting this out. Like, if you said that every club in the third round, right, there's many teams in the third round. Fucking, they're all getting 50 grand each. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Something like that. And then you, you subsidise it that way. Um, but I think it, I think it absolutely bring back the, the magic of the FA Cup. Back, go back to the old former, make a big deal of it at the end if you win it, and you get something. And then you won't see teams wandering around with eight youngers in it. You know what I mean? Or nine youngers yeah. in it. They'll all want to win this competition. They'll see it as, as a viable competition. Um, Just a couple of cracking games in a game like Wrexham, Coventry, for example. You know, it's you know Nottingham Forest uh, getting ha- hammered by Blackpool. Yeah. Of, but John says we, we say to make it more serious. The only teams that win it are the big clubs. They do take it serious. They don't. Not at all. They don't. They just have Wigan much better squads. Than Wigan won it. What's know, there? Been a few surprises. Been but, a few surprises. but but like John, I completely get you. If they actually took a really serious, they'd probably win it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, it's not only, it's not only like um, there's a proper prize at the end of it. Because the money they get for winning the, the FA Cup is fucking nothing compared to, yeah. you know, if you finish two places high in the Premier League, you probably get more than winning the FA Cup. Yeah. But it also means then that more money will come into it because the Champions League spot in it. More money will yeah. come in for advertising. So you're able to say to the lower clubs, listen, these boys over here are going to take it really seriously now. So your chance of winning are lower. But you're in the la- you're in the third round, there's a hundred grand a club. Yeah. I mean, if you go out in the third round, you get a hundred grand regardless. Yeah, so even if they get it, even if they get a draw at home, they're getting a hundred grand on top of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And the chance of them getting, if you put it, if you put a Champions League spot in, the chance of upsets happening are probably lessened, but mm. it makes them more special if it does happen because yeah. you know you've put everything in place there. Um, it was, it was. It, I think it'd be, I think it'd be brilliant. Um, my winner is my winner is Stevenage, and uh, there's a couple of reasons, right? DB Villa, right? But I've <laughs> never, I've never seen a result come to wish, come as a shock to so many hours after the game is over, because like the amount of people I've seen going, what? Yeah. Stevenage won. It was like yeah. one nil sure? with eighty nine. Villa, Villa were like winning with eighty nine gone, and you're like, and honest to God, right? The only reason I knew is because in air in air um, Telegram uh, chat. Somebody just wrote Villa with loads of laughy faces, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, something's happened here." And I checked it, and I seen it like eighty-eight and ninety plus one. I was like, "What?" Which was funny, but and don't get me wrong, that's absolutely brilliant. You know what I mean for for Stevenage yeah. and the goal. You've seen you've seen the celebrations, and you've seen everything like that. 
Um, sorry, Owen Bork is right. Move the semi-finals to Villa Park, Old Trafford, etc. Or 100% stop using Wembley for Wembley. semi-finals. Yeah, get it, get it. rid of it. If you've, if you've two northern teams, lash them in Old Trafford, unless you know they're playing, lash them somewhere else. right? Yeah. And if you've two southern teams, throw them at the Emirates or, or wherever you want. But wherever stop using Wembley. Yeah, yeah, stop using Wembley. Um, and by the way, sorry, just on the... Just on the um, subject of semi-finals, before we give Stevenage more um, more credit, um, semi-finals used to be held at Hillsborough, yeah. right? for obvious reasons. They and stopped, right? Mm. And yesterday, Newcastle travelled, or the day before, travelled to Sheffield Wednesday to play a cup third round game. And what we've seen at the Leppings Lane the end of that ground... Lane, yeah. Yeah. was people trying to get through that same tunnel to get to seats behind that goal and to get left and get right. Middle bit was full, everything on the edges, problem. All right, And no matter what you've done to that ground, then you're still seeing people going through that tunnel, okay? What happened there yesterday, from all accounts, was a very close miss, okay? There's Newcastle fans that you know are saying, look, there was a huge problem there yesterday. Lack of stewards being going in, it's all open now. What I didn't say is all the walls over there and all they're all gone around Leppings Lane, it's very open. Mm -hmm. But the problem with Leppings Lane is when you go through the gate, you have this tunnel. And if you're not shepherded one way or shepherded the other, you have a problem. Plus, when you come down that tunnel, if you're pushed down there, you're trying to get through an already congregated crowd to get across the left and across the right. Um, and Red Steve says nothing learned there. Um, how that stand still exists is a joke, says Mick. Um, could have been another disaster, says R. Ellison. Um, Ushin says they've never learned, have they? It's shocking. I'm going on the picture scene yesterday. <coughs> I'm going on. I'm going on comments from Newcastle fans that were in the ground, and um, thirty-four years after. 34 years after Hillsborough, we're still sitting in 2023 talking about overcrowding at the Leppings Lane end, yeah. which is fucking appalling. Well, but what, I will what, say, all the people that are on the internet now going on about Newcastle, look what happened, poor Newcastle fans, you might stop singing about Liverpool now. You might stop turning around and go, do you know what? Do you know what? It might be funny in the ground at the time, but I've just seen it happening to somebody else in 2023 before you start singing these songs and making these fucking comments about Liverpool fans. And that's that's the thing that comes out for me. Brilliant that it's being highlighted, and it absolutely should be, but it might make people think, um, you know, before making comments or singing songs yeah. from yeah. now on as to, because, listen, you mightn't have been around in 89 and you're probably being influenced by people that are a generation above you and you, you just go with that because that happens. You know, football tribalism, you, you learn from the people above you or people older from you. But you've seen it for yourself today or, or yesterday yeah. or the day before. You've seen it yourself. So the next time um, you think about sh- saying something about Hillsborough or Liverpool fans or using the word victims, just take yourself back to the tweet or whatever you read um, two days ago about Newcastle fans at Hillsborough in 2023 in the yeah. Lepping, Leppings Lane end of the ground. And then think back how different or not different it was in 89 for Liverpool fans. Um, what are the police doing? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It just looks to me like when you walk in there, I don't even know if you can go left or right now to get to the get to the area you want to be in. But if you can, they weren't being pushed that way. They were being pushed straight down, um, straight down uh, towards that tunnel. And it would have brought back, I think it would have brought back some horrible memories um, for the families of the victims, survivors, whatever it might be. But um, you know what? 
nobody was injured there yesterday. And the good that could come out of it is that it's being highlighted again. And the fact that it's being highlighted again might make... And genuinely, I'm, I'm saying this, you know, not for just the sake of saying it. I, I'm hoping that what people seen there yesterday will make them think again before they make comments online or in football grounds or around football grounds with regards to the Hillsborough disaster because it's happening in 2023, right? And it happened in 1989. And what happened in 1989, we all know what the truth is there. And the truth was nearly brought out in front of you again. It could have been in 2023. If that crowd had got pushed a little bit more, I'm just panicked. Right? Because the natural thing to do is panic, you, you know, claustrophobia, whatever it might be. And then you, you're in serious trouble. Luckily enough, it didn't. But I think what might come out of there yesterday um, might educate a few people. That's all I'm mm. going to say on it. Um, the FA apparently looking into it, Suzanne Dicko. But look, um, there, wa there was a survivor at the game, says Laszlo, interviewing the Guardian. Laszlo, um, I think you're in our Telegram group. If you can link me to that. Um, yep. I'd love to read it. Um, but look, it, thankfully nothing happened. But anyway, let me get back to um, Stevenage. It is the magic of the cup. It is that one where, like, like genuinely, the people hours later are going, no, no, Stevenage <laughs> didn't win. Why are you all talking about Stevenage? I could see it on Twitter and the people going, they won. And they were like, no, they couldn't have won. But it was good to see. It was great to see, wasn't it? Now, having said that, I don't know what the Villa goalkeepers are. But... It kind of makes you laugh. Even look, it doesn't make you laugh if it happens to Liverpool, but everyone no. else would have a laugh at you, and that's fine. That's the way football is. But it kind of made me chuckle. I went, a oh, fair play, you know, that sort of way, especially in that way. It wasn't like they went 2 0 up early and they hung on. They came from behind. Pete, it was, I thought it was the, the best story of the weekend. You know, and that's the magic of it. You know, you, you think to yourself, it doesn't matter who's on the park. You know, you're wearing that crest, you're wearing that Premier League badge. You know, I don't care. You know, you're a signed player, you're registered. It's Premier League versus. League two, you know, it's there's absolutely no, you know, it, it, for me, I don't care, I stick by me guns. The effort, the magic of the FA Cup, it's being rekindled. I get you, but restructuring and reallocating reward to I completely agree with you, to be honest. It's something since Manchester United wiped their feet in it in 1995 or 96, it's something that's needed to happen, or maybe after that they did it, but something that's needed to happen, needed to happen. Um, and you know, hopefully it will. I mean, for me, I think it's the most beautiful trophy. It's the trophy that's synonymous after the World Cup. It's the trophy that's probably most synonymous with the game. Oh, I think you the way for Cup is you know, glorious. Yeah, it's beautiful as well. I have to say, for 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 a trophy that's basically a second fiddle trophy. Yeah, now, it's a fabulous. Trophy. You know, it's so well designed. But the FA Cup, traditionally speaking, you know, looking at it, I mean, it's history. It's just. You know, it's a fabulous for me. It's it says everything about it. my earliest memories of football are from you know the FA Cup, watching watching Liverpool as a child, a very small child in 1986, not really understanding, just wanting them to win. Um, you know, right up to it starting to really mean something in 1989, where you're kind of going, oh, and Stuart McCall just kept everything that Stuart McCall hits goes in. Yeah, yeah. Those, that for me, you know, that you telling me a hundred thousand scousers at Wembley Stadium, the FA Cup meant everything. And for everybody, arm and arm, win, lose, or draw, you know, people, some of people's most important memories on Merseyside are from that game and games like that. For me, the FA Cup will always be magic. Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, I don't know who Steven has got in the next round. 
Um, I barely found out who Liverpool got. Man City, probably. <laughs> no, Man City got Arsenal in the next round. Really? Um, yeah, Liverpool are away to Bright- Brighton if they manage yeah, to beat no, I don't know who Stevenage got. Um, I don't know who United got. I don't know who anyone got because I'm terrible. At draw- like, do you know why I'm terrible at, at seeing cup draws? Because you remember they used to they start doing them in like fucking Bangkok at four in the morning and all. Do you remember that? And, and then you're like... I always remember the FA Cup being on the Sunday evening of the tour round. After the, after the last game. Yeah. You know, and now it's like, oh, it's on Monday and it's on this and it's on that. And mm-hmm. you're like, what the f-? You know, so now I just kind of go, I'm sure I'll find out. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll look her up. Well, I know what's happened. I'll, I'll look her up. Uh, they got Stoke away. Not a bad draw. And good, good to have a good great good. go at in fairness to them as well. Stoke aren't in the best. You know, you've got Reading and people are coming up. Cool. Man City. Um, <laughs> Owen Books is a... Uh, Man City drew the Galapagos Islands. Um, <laughs> no, they've got Arsenal, haven't they? Um, but look, I think you could shift this FA Cup around. You could make it really appealing again. Keep the appeal in it for the smaller clubs with some sort of sub- subsidising the money in some way. They're still getting that big draws, you know. Mm. Um, and and even even if they even leave it in where you know if a, a conference team gets Liverpool, they have the option to switch it. You just go, you yeah. can switch that if you want. There's no I problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it gives them more money. You know, they'd be getting well, 50% of the gate, wouldn't they get? But they get, they, they'd probably get the early kickoff, the Saturday or the Sunday kickoff, and then they get that money for that as well. Um, Wrexham home to Sheffield United in the draw. Um, but, right. yeah, I just think they could shift this a little bit and bring it back to its past guys. But I think you need a mix of modern stuff, as in the Champions League spot, and money. But yeah. getting it back into, let's watch matches today and let's watch fucking 18 games or goals and you know let's watch 20 games let's have two or three where they talk about it and then the rest of them just show us all the fucking goals do you know what yeah. I mean and we can all sit there on a Saturday night but no, I don't think it'll ever happen there's too much money in the game football yeah. is dying on its arse but yeah. what can we do about it well, um, imagine the club that loses the fourth spot or the rather that finishes fourth losing it losing it or maybe you know losing that Champions League spot to the FA Cup they'd be absolute murder yeah, Which but, would be great if it's not Liverpool. But, but <laughs> yeah. the way it is, like, you, your priorities, you'll have to look at your priorities. That's just simply yeah. the way it is. And, yeah. um, you know, like, you look now, Europa League, you get a Champions League spot. No. So yeah. why, not the, yeah, why not the FA Cup? Um, yeah. Let me see. And Dicko, this is a good point as well, but I, I, I kind of like the open draw a bit of it. He says, make it seeded. Uh, make it seeded, can switch. Don't put Premier League sides who, um, who draw each other on TV. Yeah, but TV, you, you need to show good games on TV in order to pay the money into the into the pot for the FA Cup. Yeah. So there is, yeah. there's different things you have to kind of do, but I think a mix of the old and the new, I think, could yeah. work. Um, let, but let me see. Um, but let's go on, because I, 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 want, I want to talk about Liverpool. Right? I, now, I have to say, I listened to Keith and Shawnee and Emma. Um, they done a great show last night. I got it out this afternoon, so it's it's available for you if you want to download it. Um, and it was brilliant because I was I was literally listening, agreeing with stuff and not agreeing with stuff, and I was like, oh, why wasn't I there? But I was away with the yeah. family. Before I do though, we want to talk to Liverpool. We want to do 15, 20 minutes on Liverpool. Um, our charity this this year is breast cancer research. Okay, um, and it's not just a straight forward you know we're supporting breast cancer research give us some money it's not like that um we have teamed up with 11 ladies who are going to run the dublin marathon in october um and they are going to train together it's not like october 
they started a full training session tonight by the way i know that because my wife was at it um my wife wasn't is not training for a, a, a marathon by the way she's just up doing her own exercise and whatever running around but these 11 are going to train with each other um for the next 10 months and they're going to run the Dublin marathon now one of the girls i know literally done her first ever half marathon about four weeks ago so it's a huge leap but they're going for it okay um, they've decided that breast cancer research is their charity that they want to support for varying reasons. Um, they're women, and you know breast cancer affects women predominantly. It does one percent of cases can be men as well, by the way. Um, so it's not exclusive to women, but more or less is. But they're women, and they've they have friends, they might have family that have been affected, passed away, wherever it might be, from this illness, and it's horrible. Cancer is just horrible. Um, so they want to do it for that. I got told about this. We always do a charity thing every year, including looking for money, looking for donations, doing a golf day, taking all the taking some of the golf day and putting it back in and, and donating that. So this is our thing this year, okay? We're going to be on it every day of the week. Um we are on it every day of the week. We're we're organising different things on a daily, daily basis. The link is in the description for it. If you click the link, it'll bring you to the GoFundMe page. Donate by all means. Or copy the link and send it to your friends, family, you know, um, whatever, workmates. I have A4, um, I have made up A4 posters for it, which I can email to you if you want to print them off and lash them around the canteen and walk or wherever it might be. And it's very simple. You print this off, you stick it on the wall, someone walks past, oh, that's good. They hold their phone up to it. They scan the QR code, it brings them to the link and they can donate. So if anybody even wants to me to email that, get in contact. I have no problem emailing fucking day and night if I know they're going to be stuck around canteens or workplaces or the boss's office, wherever it might be, okay? So the link is in the description. Um, donate if you can. Um, every single euro helps. You know what I mean? Every single euro helps. But then when you share it and it gets around and people that see it then share it again and it just keeps going and going and going, We'll get them to their um to their target, and let's be honest about it. I would do this if they just asked me to do it because oh, my friend had breast cancer. But to turn around and say eleven of us are going to run a fucking marathon, like you, like you can't say no to that. Like it's impossible. You'd want to be a complete wanker to say no to that, wouldn't you, Pete? Like you know what I mean? Imagine they going, we're all running the marathon. How many? Eleven of us. We don't really run, but we're going to train and do it. Are all right? You can't do that. Do you know what I mean? So <coughs> look. We're, we're, we're giving a big over these, this next week explaining just in case people that haven't heard or seen you and we will just keep reminding you on a daily basis on our on the shows on on our it's on our Twitter it's on our LinkedIn our Facebook our Instagram it's on our Linktree account the, the link to the Linktree account is in the show description so there's no way of you not finding this there's no way of you not finding it and don't be giving us super chats and don't be giving us five star reviews and don't be giving us any genuinely if you're going to do one thing for this podcast in the next six months we think it's going to take to get to the target if you're going to do anything for this podcast right just share the link and if you can donate that's it don't worry about uh, will the podcast be able to keep going we'll make sure it keeps going it costs money to do this genuinely it does um we make some money over we do we're not going to say we're not like shani said last night we're not going to carry on like we're a fucking you know a charity non-profit you know we do get revenue from what we do but we spend a lot of it back into different things um but honestly 
if you do one thing for this podcast in the next six months to say thanks for the content or keep up the good work or whatever it might be share the link you know take an email with the with the with a poster and print it out and print it out 10 times and stick it around stick it around your own house make you know someone might walk into your house and see and um share it around the place donate if you can that's all i'm gonna say um liverpool p i want to talk on field and i want to talk off field where do you start gav well let me let me start let me start with on field all right yeah i think we are now the definition of insanity yeah, I mean, and by that, obviously, you mean if you keep repeating the same actions yeah. and expecting different results, you are pretty much clinically insane. I don't know. I, I think there's maybe there's. I like to think that there's method to the madness in terms of the man is standing in front of a board saying, "Listen, it's a bit like I don't know if you remember Arsene Wenger towards the end of his tenure. He was constantly defending Arsenal's board, saying, "Listen, we live within our means." But hold on, before before we go to our boards and all. Mm. On the pitch, yeah, yeah, right. We're gonna to get to the board and the owners yeah. and whatever else, but yeah. on the pitch, right? Yeah, we know where what we need. We yeah, know everybody does lungs, right. lungs. But, and Shawnee and I keep saying but, every night to each other on Twitter, lungs, lungs, lungs. Correct. Lungs. But I'm gonna. I want to start with Anfield because I want to start with the manager yeah. and the assistant manager that's apparently running the whole club, and the analytics crowd and the coaches or whatever it might be for sending Liverpool players out regardless of who you have because I, I, under, I, I before anybody jumps down my throat and says oh but we're missing this and we don't have I get that but at the end of the day we've got ourselves into this position with regards to midfield um, we have some injuries I get that but to continuously send out yeah. this squad of players in whatever guys you want to send them or whatever lineup you want to give to continue playing the way we're trying to play is fucking mm. insane. Yeah, and I mean, and yeah. look, I love Klopp. I don't want him to ever go anywhere. Right, I'm happy. Like if, if Liverpool finish tenth for the next four seasons, I'm not happy. But Klopp's done loads. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, just the way I am. The right? right, he's earned the right to. He's earned the right yeah. to. Yeah, maybe fall off a cliff and then come back. Right, I get yeah. that. But P, come on, don't. Inst- it's starting to be a little bit insulting. When you see this team going out and you're kind of going, Emma said it last night, you go out and you can see what's going to happen. 15 minutes, boom, 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 we're great. Miss a few chances. They get it back in the game. We yeah. give a goal away. And then we yeah. don't know what the fuck's going on. And I get it, right? Henderson can't play three games in a week. Simple as that. Right? Thiago, yeah, is he playing in midfield a little bit on his own? Yeah, but he contributes to issues as well. Fabinho, mm. the same. Elliot Young, should he be there? There's arguments around them all. But if you have to go out with Henderson, Thiago and Fabinho, and you're seeing constantly that these players cannot go and press with that front three unit and are getting hurt and in turn are hurting their defence and, you know, our goalkeepers being left isolated, right? If you're continuously doing that, why aren't they turning around going, listen, Fabinho and Henderson in front of the back four? No pressing, sitting there, Tiago, you can move a little bit freer, but you'll have to do this and you'll have to do that. Okay? And we're going to make ourselves more solid. And when we attack, great. But when we lose it, we're going to make sure we get back. We don't go chasing fucking things stupid. We get back. And it's just the same all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I get we need midfielders and I get those players out. But you, you have to adapt. You know, it'd be like 
it'd be like fucking Darwin Nunes, right? Getting injured. And all we have left is a fella that's um, six foot one, not the quickest in the world, and saying, well, Darwin runs in behind us, you're going to have to do that. Yeah, it doesn't make doesn't sense. It doesn't make sense, does it? No. No, and like, to be honest with you, what, what hurt even more is when you look at Wolves making those three changes, you could actually sit... Obviously, it's not the word. You could see the thinking. You could just say, okay, I'm going to steamroll this. I'm Lopetegui is like, I'm going to steamroll on you now because you are where you are. You're static. Your boys are running out of puff. And for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to run you torrid. And that's all it was. And we don't have... And you're right. In the shape that we're in, persistent with those players, we don't have the answer. So Klopp then counters with a couple of young flits. You know, let's get Elliot warmed up, which isn't the answer. To personally, I prefer to see unknown youngflers with engines running around the park doing the basic things because it's not spectacular things that we can't do it's the basic running tracking back and getting overrun you don't need to be world class to do the running so i mean for waiting for fabinho to come back into form i i find i love fabinho but waiting for him to come back into form is ridiculous uh expecting henderson to be able to run marathons you know twice a week is ridiculous and for Thiago to be your most effective if you like stopper is the is the part that I find insane you're fun, sometimes you're looking at Thiago going is he the only one there that this doesn't make sense at all he used to be supplemental and superfluous now I find him to be oh Jesus thank thank God he's there which is weird he's supposed to be that last piece of the jigsaw that final piece of it yes but, but hold on but 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 Thiago was into a team right and when Thiago's in a team, you need players around him. One behind him that's at top of that game. You know, Thiago might lose the odd ball here and there because he's trying something different, but you have a fella behind him in Fabinho, peak Fabinho. And you have a Henderson or whoever, right, on the right-hand side beside him that's going to walk and walk and walk, okay? And that's where we, we tried to change from that Brexit midfield, as they called it, where Wijnaldum, Henderson, Fabinho, right? Because it was like, we need to create more. When The funny thing is, what we probably need to do is get back to that. And that'll, that'll be okay, because we've enough world beaters in the team, in, in the likes of, for me, I think Diaz is brilliant. Um, I think Nunes will be brilliant. Jota, Salah, the two fullbacks. We don't, we kind of fell into a trap with that midfield thing, and for me. Yeah. And, but that's, you know, and it's, it hasn't worked out. But Kevos, Kevs is there. You're asked to unlearn everything they've been drilled to do for the last four years. I completely get that. But, Kev, if I was looking at that team and I thought to myself, he's not trying, he's not trying, and he's not trying, and we need to change it, right? I'd be fine. But they are trying. But they just can't get there. They can't make that extra half yard. They can't run that extra 10 yards in a chase. They just can't get there. And if you can't get there, it's easier to say to a player, you can't get there. So what I'm going to yeah. do is I'm going to help you three by changing slightly what you do to make it easier on you, right? Yeah. Make the team more solid, but we're still going to be able to get these boys up on up top yeah. on the ball. And that's what do we're you not going think, to do. Do you think we suffer? I personally think we suffer. But do you, I'm asking you, do you think we suffer in terms of the way sometimes we recruit a player and we recruit players? It's almost like you have to be, to, 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 to fulfil certain criteria to the nth degree before Jurgen Klopp will take a chance. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to go scattergun like Nottingham Forest, like <coughs> Chelsea. Don't want to do that either. 
But do you not think we suffer a little bit whereby that it has to be in absolutes? Now, don't get me wrong, it's served us well in the past. And I think and I agree with it when it comes to attacking players that listen, we want to make sure it's not mercenary city, it's not it's not this, it's not that. But do you not think it's it's it, now it's it's like listen, I'm not like we do that and then we go and sign Arthur on no. I mean Sometimes I find that we contradict ourselves and then we go and do something desperate and it's just... That's I the think, insane part. I, I think... All right. I think in recruitment, I think we've walked ourselves into this situation. Mm. Now, in saying that, we're sitting here off the back of, you know, we're having a bad run. We're having a bad half season here, right? Mm. And people say, I could see it happening last season when we were going for the quadruple. Would you ever fucking go and ask me bollocks? Because when you were going to win everything last season, you weren't giving a fuck about, oh, was he looking a bit leggy? You just wanted to win every game. All and all and analytics and everything went out the window, right? Mm. As a football fan, you're just like, just win the fucking game. And we said it all the time. Don't care how we play, just win the fucking game. Just win it, mm. just win it, right? Now, we have walked ourselves into it. Not us, personally. The club have. And I think... They've just been a little bit unlu- unlucky. With I think Oxley Chamberlain would have been gone only for energy. That's what I think, right? Yeah. I think so. I think, but I don't think they've, they've they haven't moved them things on the way it should be. Like people saying we need four midfielders, we need five midfielders. We don't need four or five midfielders. That's just pie in the sky stuff, right? Mm. You need three, and this is how you need three. You need if Keita goes, Oxley Chamberlain goes, and Milner goes, and you buy three quality midfielders. Those three, for me, added to Fabinho, who will benefit the most of all if you yeah. do this, right? Thiago, that's five, right? Mm. You move Henderson into the into the Milner role, as will be in the squad, because I just think it's just caught up. It's just, yeah. you know, he'd, now, he'd games have good down. games, he'd have bad mm. games, his influence was dropping, but it's just now it looks like he's just tired, constantly tired, and it's not like a rest does him, right? You move him in there and then you say to yourself, right, I still have Elliot and I still have Jones. Right? Okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's any more on top of that. Right? You know, the young flip, the Spanish um Batch, right? But what I'm saying really is like if it. you bring three yeah. in, add Fabinho and think to that, that's five. And mm. then if you're end if you end up with eight, which is or nine, which is Elliot, Jones, Henderson, Bachetich, you're fine. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can it's use Batch to your game. You can lose Henderson it's, it's, next game. It's the basics. It's the basics. But, but what I'm saying, we walked ourselves into that, right? Mm. We walked ourselves into that. And that's fine. There's no point in arguing all day. It's fine. We know we need a midfielder. And we come on to the owners in a minute. But what I'm saying is, P, if I know I've walked myself, I've done something wrong here. And I don't have the tools to fully rectify it. I have to make the best of what I have now. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Do you know what I mean? It's as simple as that. If I make a mistake and I go, oh, I can't fucking, I can't get out of this. What, how, what am I going to do here? I take, you take your medicine to a point and you do your best to rectify it by doing something different. You know what I mean? But that's um, the downside, Gav, of having a, a philosophy. And I, I, just Klopp reminds me of Arsene Wenger in a lot of ways. When it's working, it's fucking great and you're world class. But when, for example, when Arthur Wenger needed a goalkeeper, and for years people were like, well, Shay Given is looking for a winning gig, 
and he could be the missing piece. He refused, he refused, he refused, and eventually brought Jens Lehmann in. And instead with Jens Lehmann through thick and thin, by hook or by crook, and he cost him a Champions League final, in my opinion. You know, I just find that stubbornness is great when things are working, but then when things are glaringly obvious, it's like, no, no, I'm sticking to my principles. I suppose you can't have it both ways, but I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of pragmatism. You do what works, like you're like, saying. Like I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, but, 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 Pete, I'm not saying to you that if Liverpool, you know, we've no hope of getting top four. I kind of think to myself, we just stop it. Like there's, still there's half a season to go, right? But what I'm saying is. If we look at the the games gone by, and we should be signing the midfielder in January, let's put that on record, right? Mm. But even if you one midfielder isn't going to change this, it's going to help, but it's not mm. going to change. So even if you bring a midfielder in, you could say, right, we're bringing this midfielder in, but listen, we're going to stop this stuff where our midfield three goes fucking pressing like mad and we're open and stuff like that. When we attack, we'll attack. When we lose it, we're going to have to probably let them come out a little bit with the ball rather than trying to get them and, you know, stop them playing around us and stuff like that. We're going to need to be more compact to save legs because even yeah. if a fella comes in and he can run all fucking day, like he's like the water boy, he just runs all day, right? Yeah. Even if he does that, he's going to end up doing the running of two fellas if you yeah. continue to, and then he's fucked. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? And I've no problem going and getting top four by going, my God, that was boring that second half of the season. But yeah. out of the 18 games, we got fucking 12 wins and three draws. Yeah. It got us into Champions yeah. League. We're all good. But Gav, I'll say something else, and I'll be honest, and people are going to hammer me for this. But I, I think Roberto Firmino is a huge miss. We keep the ball better when he plays. I don't care what anybody says. And I think a lot of it, don't give, I love, I'm a big fan of Nunes. Love the way he runs at people and terrifies people. But... I've always felt that Nunes would be bled a little bit like Andy Robertson. Though people will disagree with me. That, oh, you don't spend 60, 70 million quid a player to bleed him into the team. That's not how Klopp is. Klopp is a big fan of bleeding someone in. Bleeding someone in. I, I honestly believe that Firmino was going to... I think he it was planned for... We keep the ball better when Bobby Firmino plays. He drops in and helps that midfield as well. I think we are really missing him. I yeah. really think Listen, we're missing him. I think... We're missing bodies anyway. I think mm. having more of them back, whether you like them or not, will be good. Do you mm. know what I mean? Would does Diaz does Diaz come back and give Nunes a bit of a rest? Mm. You know, yeah. when, when does you know does Jota come back and give? Yeah, I don't know anyone a bit of anyone for me. You know, wherever it might be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I just think we can we can we can argue all day about who we need. But what we yeah. have, I think, looking at it from the manager side. And people think when you say this, you're going to go, oh, but you don't like Klopp anymore. No. But no. like when Liverpool were winning the title and winning the European Cup, I would turn around at times and go, Klopp got that completely wrong, in my opinion. You're allowed to do that. But yeah. right now, for me, I'm looking going, you have to stop playing this game. It's not working. And you're only going to get yourself into more trouble. Now, people, some people have said to me, he's probably doing it just to fucking get himself a midfielder. But that doesn't really ring true because he seems to tow... He's towing his line or... You know, FSG are tone theirs or vice versa on each other, and they know what they're on about. I think they have a people going on about the ownership. I actually think they have something they want to do. Gab, oh, by the way, I agree with you, and I'll tell you why. I know you want to talk about this. I'll tell you why. The way our owners are, I think they're clever and they're ruthlessly so. It's almost like they probably had a couple of conversations in Dubai at a training camp, and maybe there's something in principle, but they're going to sell to someone that is not going to go down well with the fan base. And they're waiting to almost to be handed out, hounded out, so as they can say, listen, 
You want to sell. Uh, maybe so. Maybe so. I, but I, I, think, I think. I think. I think. Player wise, I think. I think they had. I think they have something they want to do, and I just don't know. I don't know whether they agreed. Listen, this is what we're going to do in the summer. This is unworking, and it's just getting worse and worse now. And they're kind of going, "Can we do it now?" And then people will talk about the owners, because I I find it very weird that if they aren't leaving the club, I find it very weird that they either don't sort something this month with a midfielder, or definitely have something done for the summer, because it just it, it's my and it not even not even if you like them or don't like them, it's yeah. it's like lads. I really like you, or I yeah. fucking hate you. But seriously, you can't walk in as Liverpool football club into the summer with no midfielder lined up. It just makes they no never. sense. They, well, listen, when, when, we, when we needed a defender, they went out and bought the best. I when know, but they need well. something now, and I don't know whether they've put something in place for the summer, and they're kind of going, we can't do anything else. Yeah, This one's happening in the summer. We can't do anything else at the moment. But now it's getting worse and worse. Can we do something now at the moment? I just think it's mad. But just on the just on the thing, um, um, Jono said you can question Klopp, but I'm seeing some YouTube channels having a Klopp in versus Klopp out the debate, debate. What the fuck is going on? Um, turn them off. Exactly. Turn them off. Sorry. Like beyond. Like, beyond. Oh, listen. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know, John. I'm not getting into that because no. you know. I mean, you're only no, accused. Of, you're only accused no, no, you you're only accused. You're only accused of all sorts of even react to something like that. But mm. for me personally, John, I would turn that off because mm. that's not a, a debate for the the purpose of having a debate. And I'm not going to say any more than that, right? No. There's other purposes to putting that text on a screen. Um, I mean, you're talking about lads going on the internet talking about pillaring, hammering Pep Linders for doing his job. Doing the job that he's paid to do. But but the thing with the the, the thing no with Pep comment. Linders is, and don't get me wrong, right? Um, don't get me wrong on Pep Linders. He might have huge influence, and he ha- he has to take some of the blame as the assistant manager. But all this stuff about Pep Linders has come from people just making up that Pep Linders is doing this, that, and that. I seen somebody say um, he's responsible for three of the last five signings. You're going to go. How do you know? Nunes. Diaz, they could have gone. They're all right, you know. They're yeah. all right, signings. It's just yeah. mad. And then Jamie Carragher didn't help. Well, I don't know. If it's Pep Linders. Well, you don't know, so don't fucking say it. But you know exactly what you're saying because that's how Sky it's Walker it. Um, but anyway, off field, right? He, where do you stand on the ownership? Because I, I'm going to be honest with you, right? Mm. And I've said it loads of times, and people don't like me for it. Um, people give me abuse over it. A lot of people just have a conversation with me about it, which I'm absolutely fine with. I'll talk to anybody about FSG, whether they fucking despise them or love them. I'll talk to anybody about them. I'll listen, I'll give my point of view, and we'll probably just shake hands and walk away after. Because at the end of the day, the owners of Liverpool aren't a big deal in the wider scheme of things in life. They're not, right? But my thing on it is, I think they've a fantastic business model, Right? I think they have nailed their business model. I think they have they haven't taken a penny out of the club. Anything they've earned they've put back in, which is getting bigger and bigger every season because they're very good at their model. I think I think they're being made the scapegoats a little bit because Liverpool are expected to do what other clubs are doing. Right? And I'm you know what I'm talking about, because I've said it loads of times, right? And that's my feeling. And I feel like FSG are kind of being held to account because they're not 
doing what Man City are doing or what Newcastle could do, right? And yeah. I, I'm not comfortable with that, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to be. I don't want football to be dragged into line with these few, rather than those few being dragged into line with the rest of football. That's the way I am. I don't want Liverpool sold to stay and be state owned. I've said that from the very start. But what I would say is that <clears throat> if you were to ask me now what I think should happen to FSG, there's only two things for me. You either change the way you do things, because as much as you don't like what goes on over here, you're going you're going to have to find the middle ground. You know, your six hundred million a year coming in is just not enough to their billion, but or to their eight hundred million or whatever it is, right? But seven hundred might be enough, and seven hundred with what you have, the manager, the stadium, the fans, will get you enough, right? You either do that, okay, which is stretching yourself a bit, but not going to ridiculous lengths and putting, maybe not the club in in, in peril, but putting the club into debt, right? But you're finding the middle ground here, a year on year. Or you sell around to someone that maybe has the same idea as you, but are willing to put this in. And that's yeah. my perfect scenario, I'm going to be honest with you. My perfect yeah. scenario is someone, someone comes in and buys it and says, listen, we're buying this, we feel we can run this exactly the same as it is, but we are going to find an extra hundred million a year to put into mm. this to put into yeah. this playing squad. And I'm all for it once it's not state owned. And when I say yeah. state owned people think, oh you're being going on about the Middle East again. I'm not. Any state. Doesn't matter yeah. what it is the Vatican. Totally I don't want the Vatican on in Liverpool. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So that's where I am. Where are you? I'm old enough to remember Hicks and Gillette and us yeah. being four hours from going into administrating and we should have been deducted points. We could have gone into any state. I'm old enough to remember that. Um, I'll be forever grateful for what the lads at FFG have done. They, they, I, I, regardless of who's in in the door, if if even the richest people in the world take over in another state, um, bit like yourself, and they run the club the way the lads have run it, uh, at least try to, I'd be grateful because they've they've shown us that a, a, a responsible business model can work. I would take a step forward, though, Gab. I believe. I think Liverpool are probably the most attractive proposition in the world of sports, uh, of what's available. Even the, the the shit show at Manchester United, you know, it's not as attractive because of the complications that you'll have from the grand from the 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 Glazers. You will have complications with them. I, I think nobody is all over them because of what they will want. And of course, they've no reason to sell. They've no reason to sell because they leverage Manchester United against all of their other interests. I don't believe that they'll sell. I don't think they want to. Um, but us, I think there's deals probably in principle on the table. And maybe the lads are uncomfortable, you know, talking about it, publicising it, whatnot. I think they want publicly to be pushed into a corner which is why probably they're, they're refusing to talk about the transfer dealings. That these guys are clever. They're clever, and we never really know what they're doing. Until I remember waking up one morning, and we had uh, Jurgen Klopp had signed a, a new contract. Shawnee texted me. I was in Malaga. Jurgen Klopp had signed a new contract. I couldn't believe it. Mohamed Salah had signed a new contract out of nowhere. These guys do things not just on the download. For all these in the nose, Liverpool have exposed the in the nose as being complete frauds. They've exposed them because because nobody really knows. So for me, I think there could be two or three deals on the table. Yeah, but it's not it's not even about what people know. What mm. I'm saying is, P, it's not even about what people know or don't know. What I'm saying mm. is the reality of the matter is is that 
the way football is at the moment, and it's only going to get worse in 2025, by the way, because that's when the new FFP comes in and they've been given a three-year runner where they can absolutely just melt all their fucking things into one and say, oh, yeah, we're being sponsored by this. Um, There's another one from City the other day, which is quite interesting as well. Um, But it's not even what people know or don't know. The reality is, is that these clubs over here are doing this, right? Now, I don't want us to be that club over there doing that because we've spent years going on about these clubs going, they're fucking cheating, right? We don't want to be that. We don't want to be that. But what I'm saying is Liverpool are making record amount of money. They are spending that money, right? And they can't buy what these other teams are buying. So you're going to have to find, you're either going to go have to go do what they're doing, which I think is ludicrous for a club of Liverpool to do, yeah. right? Or you're going to have to say to yourself, well, what do we have? We've the, we've a brilliant stadium. We've a fanatical fucking fan base. When this place gets going, there's nowhere like it. We've seen European nights. We've seen league campaigns. We have Jurgen Klopp, right? This is what we have. We have a really, really, really good squad, but it probably needs overall four to five players. If it's turnover, four or five out, four or five in, and you're really looking strong again, and you can then look to turn them over as you go, right? Um, so someone can come in and go, I think 100 million a year extra would do that. And you're still protecting your asset, by the way. Of course. It, yeah, it's the most attractive But, the, but that's why, I, that's why I think at the moment... That's why I think at the moment, FSG have two choices. They find that hundred million, and it's not me having a gold and going. You don't do enough. It's just a real. It's just realistically what has to happen. Find that per year, which they're probably going to try to do with by selling a minority stake or whatever that might be. But I don't know how that work. Or you let it go, and you let it go to somebody where you say to somebody who's coming in, or someone comes in and says. We're buying it off you, and this is what we're going to do. You buy um, something for 300 million, 400 million, and you can flip it for 4 billion a decade later. You're flipping it, Gav. You're flipping, of course you are. And listen, there's people out there for, for whom 3.8 billion pounds is is a bargain. And, you know, there and people that already have a predisposition towards Liverpool Football Club, I'm telling you, they're, they're obviously having conversations I don't think that they're comfortable with. Yeah. Like, they don't care about what the fans think about state ownership, what you and I think about state. They don't care. They care about the 3.8 to 4 billion. Yeah. That and John, and John says there, we either get on the train or left behind. Unfortunately, that's modern football. Um, this is what we've become. I don't blame fans for walking away, but most of our fans will still support the club. I, I completely get that. I completely get that. But what I'm saying is, is that what's being made out of this is it's like we need to be a million years away from what FSG do, which is not true. Like, it's not true. You know, like, if you were starting out in business tomorrow and said, I have fucking a million quid in my pocket and I want to make, you know, ten times that, someone will probably give you FSG at Liverpool and go, listen, if you follow that to scale, you know, you'll probably do really fucking well. We don't have to be a million years away from them. We just need to find, we we could compete because we spent X amount and we had Klopp, the stadium, the fans, the, 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 we get a momentum, you know how it works. We need to just go up an extra level, find a few, we find more money, right, per year and the rest will take care of itself. I'm convinced that, look, I'll put it to you this way, if Liverpool had spent 100 million more than they did in the summer, you're probably sitting with two midfielders that you do, now that you wouldn't, you don't have, 
right? What you don't have now, you would have. Liverpool wouldn't be, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Mm. That's the way I feel about it. But <clears throat> I think I'm at the stage now where January will tell you a lot. All right. Mm. Um, and I'm at the stage where a decision needs to be made on this because we yeah, spoke I, last I, I, week. I, I, it's I starting to affect. Think, yeah. It's starting to affect the fan base. And I'm not yeah. talking about if you're FSG or FSG in or out. I'm talking about a fan base that are kind of going, "What's going on?" Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot out there that you wouldn't really take much notice of. But fans are starting to go, "Like, what's actually happening?" And you will get people saying, "Oh, well, there's nothing happening because you know you're just making up in your own heads that something's happening." But that's not true. You know what I mean? That's just simply not true. But Look, uh, it's it's starting with a fan base now that's asking what's happening. Yeah. You've a you've a manager that's not struggling, but he needs help. You've a yeah. you've a you've a squad that needs help, and you know I think January will say a lot. But I'd like a decision Dave, to be made. Dave, I have no issue yeah. if FSG come out tomorrow and say we're staying. We've what we we're, what we're going to do is our model is great. We're going to put five hundred million in over the next five years on top yeah. of whatever we earn. Yeah. Fine, everything's done. Right. Let's go and do the job. Well, they've looked, Gav, at what Chelsea have been sold for. And I honestly believe that that... Because when Chelsea went up, and because it was a, basically a distressed asset, I would have assumed, and a lot of financial people would have assumed that the British government at the time would have sold for maybe two and a half billion. But to get that type of money for a distressed asset... That yeah, but do you, get, do you get 2.75 for it? Mm -hmm. With 1.75 guaranteed in investment which is infrastructure the women's team the stadium playing staff and stuff like that right so it comes out at about 4.25 right but it's still 4.25 if Chelsea is worth it. that they've went listen look at what we spent let's cash in it's good business because like any bubble you know I'm not saying football is a bubble because it isn't it just keeps growing but like any bubble sometimes it can burst or at least it can deflate and there's always going to be that fear. And I'm sure every investor or every financial advisor is on to, to, to Tom saying, listen, it's time to it's time to reap your reward now and move on. So he's already looking at his next purchases. He's already looking at his next investments. It's obvious what he's doing. And who can blame him? Uh, but I think he just needs, he feels that he needs to manage it. He needs to make it seem like a titanic struggle. I didn't want to sell to just anyone. He wants to sell to anyone who will pay. Hmm. John O says a club of Liverpool's size and revenue should be able to afford to buy two top midfielders for fifty to sixty million plus without FSG putting any of them on money in. John O, I feel like this is Groundhog Day. Liverpool don't have a hundred and twenty million quid hanging around. They just hmm. don't. What they earn, they spent. Hmm. Right? What they earn, they spend. They what happens there is there's no club out there putting fifty to sixty million on two players without going above the limit. And FSG don't. And whether you like it or you don't, that's the truth. Mm. Right? There's clubs out there making up sponsors and the amount they're being paid by these sponsors to fund what they're doing. There's another club out there that people think are for sale, <coughs> right? Have no cash reserves and are sitting on a billion in debt, not 500 million, a billion in debt. That's why they're scrambling around this January looking going, can we sign it? And what'll probably happen? They'll probably do fifty or sixty million at the end of this window. Because why? Because they're on they'll just do it. You know what I mean? And who gives a fuck? And I, we what don't want to do that. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. You know? Liverpool <laughs> spend what they earn. Right? And the thing is, it 
gets us competing because don't give me all this we don't compete with Arsenal anymore would you fucking stop do you know what I mean Arsenal are having a good half season and we're not right but what I'm saying is is that if we went and overall we have competed should we have won more maybe what's it down to maybe silence maybe fucking substitution somewhere right but what I'm saying is Liverpool earn fantastic money and spend it right other teams earn good money pretend they earn fantastic money and spend more than that so that yeah. that's what, what you're at but look I, I just like I think I'd like to see a decision made on it sooner rather than later and I think I think that movement or lack of in January I think you might end up knowing exactly what's going on P. I'll leave you the last word before we go because we're way late no absolutely listen and for me I just think I, I, the big shame for me is that anybody would remember this with um, with bitterness. I mean, to think of where we were when they took over. For me, it's a song and dance. Like anything with financials at this level has to be a song and dance. I think they've listened. I think if you remember back to the COVID days, if you remember the, the furlough situation, they really have taken in people's opinions and they're just doing a PR song and dance. There are obviously offers there. There's obviously movement there. It's just when they feel like, and you'll wake up one morning and it'll be like, oh, I, I'm bored with this. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's sold. That's mm. the way it is. Yeah, it's the way so. it is. Maybe so. Um, before we go, check out bookmakers.com for our website and the YouTube channel in the description. Subscribe and hit the, hit the bell icon. Um, I should be on there in a the video tomorrow. I'm on weekly. And the two lads I'm on are really nice. Uh, United and sports fans of me talk about all things Premier League. So go and check that out. The breast cancer research, the link is in there as well in the show description. Um, you'll find it across all our social media if you want to donate or take a copy and share it and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, the rest of the week. What day is today? Monday? Yeah. Yeah, Monday. Okay. Um, tomorrow. Oh, might be doing a history show tomorrow, I think. Wednesday will be the midweek fix. We'll sort something out for that. Uh, Thursday, the viewers' voices back for the first time in the new year. Friday, Premier League forecast. Um, and then we go from there. There's going to be full-time Reds and all sorts of stuff going on. But Red Steve asked the final question for you, Pete. Um, he says, Gav, before you go, can you ask Pedro if he uses a knife or a peeler um, to peel potatoes? The smart money is on a peeler. Uh, peeler. My wife has this green thing with blades all around. It's it's quite nifty. I, I, one of those things I didn't even know was invented. Right. So you just slap it around it and all of a sudden it's, it's a ball potato. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, legendary, he's right. We had a huge <laughs> row on the show during the week about this. Serious? Um, yeah. You don't you use a knife still in 2020? No, I use a peeler, but there was all stuff about like, do you put salt in it? Do you... Do you rinse them out? You, there was more that went on, me and Keith. Um, it has to be wet. It has to be wet. Get that peeler around. Yeah. Bit. So anyway, um, look, it's uh, it's a peeler for pee. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. I think we're doing a history show tomorrow. I'll, 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 my head's all over the place. I took a day off and I don't know where I am now, to be honest with you. But um, we will have shows literally every day, every night this week. So it's all good. And I'm nearly sure there's a show in my head that I've just completely forgotten. So I'll let you know about that at some stage as well. That has been Winners and Losers. Um, thanks a million to Pete for joining us. Thanks to everyone in the chat for joining us as well. Make sure you hit like now or on the way out. If you're listening on audio download, give us a five-star review. But if you don't want to do any of that and just donate instead or share instead um, our charity stuff, we'll take that. We'll absolutely take that. That's been it. Talk to you in a bit. Over and out.
Social Podcast Network.